Hey there, beauty hunters. We are so excited about today's episode because if you've ever found yourself yearning for that magical state of creative flow where ideas just dance straight from your mind into the reality that you're creating, then this one is for you. And we get it. Life is packed with responsibilities, with jobs and bills and families. But here's the thing. What if giving yourself permission to play could be the secret to creative flow that transforms every area of your life? Stick with us today as we uncover the magic of play and creativity, the very elements that can reignite those childhood dreams and set you on a path to live the big life that you were meant for. Hello, creative soul. Welcome to the Beauty Hunters podcast. Are you feeling stuck, not having enough time, money, or energy to create? Do you want to make a difference in this world with your creativity, but you feel exhausted by life's responsibilities and void of inspiration? You are not alone. We are your hosts, Jonathan and Michelle Rose, fellow creative souls who understand the struggle. We once lived a life consumed by the daily grind, leaving us feeling empty and dead inside. And that all changed when we discovered the mindsets and skills that allowed us to stay in creative flow and infuse everyday life with creative passion. We are here with strategies and inspiration to help you fill your daily life with vibrant creativity. If you are ready to thrive and take your creativity to the next level, then grab your coffee, tune in, and let's create a more beautiful world together. So this week we are in Cedar Key, Florida, and although it's been cold, the sun is shining and it is a great atmosphere for beauty hunting and creative play. Yeah, but it's been Florida cold, not Tennessee cold or anywhere else cold. Cold enough to be wearing a hoodie and <laughs> wanting to sit inside for a good portion of the windy parts. <laughs> so before we get started, we wanted to say thank you to everyone who has left us a review. You know, it's helped us bump us up from 3% global ranking to 2.5% globally. And for anyone who doesn't understand what that means, that means 2.5% globally out of 3 million plus podcasts out there. Yeah, we're super excited. We're blown away with the response and the support that we've gotten. So to celebrate, we'd like to read a review written by Lauren T. Collins. She says, first off, just want to say that these two are so fun to listen to. They're engaging, and the conversations they have are so deep and raw. As I was listening to episode six, I felt like my heart was being revived, and I was really struck by how many times my creative endeavors seemed to need to have an agenda or a purpose. I just kept feeling the pull as they continued to talk to slow it down and pursue creativity simply for the sake of creating, and not just for a finished product. Thank you so much, Jonathan and Michelle. Well, thank you. We are so grateful to hear that our podcast has helped you out on your creative journey. This review comes at the perfect time for today's topic. Today, we're talking more about creative endeavors without an agenda or purpose. Just creating for the sake of creating. All right. So, Jonathan, I know that this was a really long time ago, and it may be hard to remember. Hey, hey, hey. hey. Not that <laughs> long ago. Come on now. But do you remember the days of being a kid and just kind of having that carefree feeling where you get to just go out and play and do purposeless things? Yeah, well, I, I remember being a kid, we didn't have screen time. I mean, when I was real young, there wasn't even really video games besides Atari. And then it was a big deal when like the Sega and Nintendos came out. But before that, man, it was Legos. Lincoln Logs. And I, I was the kid that was always building stuff and always taking things apart because I was just endlessly curious. And I would always just be into stuff, just trying to discover and 
yeah, there's just pure imagination, pure possibilities where, you know, the whole world was a playground and we could let our imaginations go free and just mash it up with our Legos and our Hot Wheels and all the stuff and build whatever we wanted to. Uh, life was good as a kid, um, especially before screens took over. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because I remember hours of playing and imagining myself as a teacher or a dancer and even a policeman for a little while. But, you know, it's interesting because as I've had time to kind of think this through as an adult, I ask myself sometimes, like, what happened? You know, and, and all I can think about is how possibly through going through grade school, you know, you start hearing teachers and parents and adults saying things like, sit still, stay quiet, um, stay between the lines, you know, those kinds of things. And I definitely want to be clear here. I'm not bashing adults for saying those things. But as a child, I think I took that on. And, and sadly, it has somehow found its way into my thinking and processing. You know, I, I find myself um, kind of living small, thinking small, shutting down that part of me that developed those muscles to, for imagination and play. Yeah, totally. I mean, one of my one of the things my parents said to me constantly when we were out in public, especially when when we were at an event like a festival or something like that, and we would be browsing, and they would always say, "Look with your eyes and not your hands," you know, because I was that kid that was always just touching everything. I just wanted to pick it up and explore it and touch it and feel it. And um, you know, mom, if you're listening to this, I'm not bashing you, but <laughs> I am making a living touching things now right. <laughs> as I an mean- artist. There was a study done by NASA on creative potential, and they found that of 1,600 four- and five-year-olds, 98% of them scored at a genius creative level. Five years later, only 30% of the same group of children scored at the same level. And again, and that's, that's what, by 10 years old? Yeah. And then again, five years later, only 12%. At 15 years old. When the same group was tested as adults... It found that only 2% scored at a creative genius level. So the creative adult is the child who survived. Wow. Yeah. And it is interesting because after you've been through um, those years where you're being told, stay still, be quiet, you know, before you know it, you do become, or most of us have become adults caught in that mundane routine of survival. You know, and just going through those emotions and being uninspired, sometimes you just find yourself just hoping to make it through the day. And I wonder how many of our listeners can relate to that. All right, but here's the fascinating twist. Those those kids who used to be scolded for talking too much in class or fidgeting or diagnosed with ADHD, well, many of them are now top speakers, authors, coaches, actors. They're the ones making creative difference in the world. And what about those kids who couldn't sit still? You'll find many of them are among the best fitness instructors, construction workers, thriving in lots of fields where they actually get to use the very things that they were scolded for as kids. Right. Artists like you. So thankfully, they did survive. Thankfully, they did trailblaze. If we can just keep that creative spirit alive, you never know what's going to happen with all the ingredients that your life has had. Like for me... I grew up the son of a welding instructor. I've been a musician my whole life. And they seem like completely different paths, but creativity converged them into one thing that I'm doing now as an artist. Right. All because you found yourself in a situation where you wanted something and it was out of your reach. So you yeah. figured out how to make it happen. Well, and and because I lived a life that I just couldn't stop myself from drumming and I couldn't stop myself from tinkering with my hands. 
my creativity just demanded an outlet. I couldn't right. help myself. And I just found the space to give myself to it. And right. here we are. And so, you know, here we are. You and I were just two different individuals with vastly different approaches to play and creativity. You know, so let's go ahead and dive into how some of those different approaches make us who we are today. We've alluded a little bit to your story, but go ahead and give us a little bit more about just where you started on your play, how it's led to who you are. Yeah, for me, play has always been about just diving headfirst into the unknown. Um, I'll get an idea and without even thinking... I'll just go to my workshop and I'll just start tinkering or I'll get out a piece of paper and I'll just start sketching out the idea and brainstorming things. And I just get lost in the thrill of finding new connections between things. And a lot of times it's just these moments where there's not really any purpose other than just some idea sprung into my head. And I'm seeing where it leads. I'm pulling all the little strings and making all the little connections and just finding some unexpected treasure. And that's been a theme my whole life. And it's the same spirit today that just has me pulling all these little different ingredients of my creative expressions, whether it be with, you know, welding and tinkering with metalworking and with my laser cutters and then incorporating my poetry. And I'm just all over the place, but it always comes in out into something that I've put together and manifesting into the world through my creativity. You know, I, I want to be honest here. That's a place where I definitely struggle. You know, um, as as we unfold both of our stories, perhaps our listeners will find inspiration in the balance and the strike between my structure and your spontaneity. It, but now for, for me, the idea of purposelessness um, and the ex of and that type of exploration, it's actually downright terrifying for me. And so, you know, I'm more of a planner. And I'm really meticulous about my planning. I mean, I have plans for my plans, right? So I live a very structured, controlled, and calculated life. And I've, I, got, and I've got plans to break all your plans. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I love you for it. You really, you do it in a, in a beautiful way, and I'm always happy with results. But the fear of the unknown, it often keeps me tethered to what's safe and predictable. You know, I remembered when I first met Jonathan, I remembered saying to him, that I want him to teach me how to play and how to have fun, right? And so I didn't really realize this about myself, about play, until I sought counseling a couple of years ago when I had had a traumatic experience. And it was in that space that for the first time, I heard about the therapeutic value of play and how it could help me break free from being unstuck of trauma or of being unstuck about anything in my life. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an incredibly vulnerable share because as an adult, you know, to say something like that, it's hard to come to grips with that, to actually name that and go, oh, I actually have a hard time playing. Right. But how true is that for a lot of us? I mean, I'm making my life as an artist and I... I schedule time to play and I know the value of it. But even then, it's so easy to just get sucked into just work and grinding stuff out just because I got responsibilities and need to get stuff done. But it's a testament to the power of play and in our healing process, not just for keeping our creativity alive, but for us to be fully engaged and present in our lives, to actually show up and be present in our lives. You know, as beauty hunters, we talk about engaging with our whole life, with our whole being, engaging all of our senses, our sight and our smell and our taste and our touch and our hearing into being present in the world so we can see the beauty and we can show up for it. That is so key to creativity. But if we don't know how to play, 
What are we going to do with that access to our senses once we get it? Right. And, you know, it was one of my first assignments from my counselor um, that, you know, she was trying to reconnect me with that part of my childhood, uh, you know, and and I thought that sounds like fun. OK, so so I was I was on board and then somebody gifted me a coloring book and some crayons. And I thought, oh, you know what? This is actually going to be a fun task. But once I got into it, I found myself um, stressed out about picking the perfect color to color strawberry shortcake's dress, right? And it, it was kind of a daunting decision. And and I wondered, what if I get it wrong? And then I had to work through all the details of like staying in the lines and making sure that I don't mix my colors wrong or shading or whatever. And, you know, I, I found myself that play had become work. And and it was, it was almost a stress inducing activity, and yeah. What do you what do you think it was about that exercise that led to that? Was there some like was it was it an inner critic or was just was there just some ideal strawberry shortcake that you're trying to live up to or? Yeah, I I, I, I will get into that actually in a second, but I want to finish the story of how the process that my counselor took me through. Okay. So my counselor then asked me to color with my non dominant hand. And I, that was asking way too much of me, you know? And, and in my mind, I was like, no way am I going to on purpose make a mistake and make this look bad, you know? And so she, my counselor recognized this. And so she decided to shift tactics and guide me towards a more unstructured uh, form of play. So she suggested swinging and I knew this was the right choice. And and by, <laughs> by, by swinging, we mean getting on a swing at a playground. Yes. yes. And as a kid, <laughs> I loved swinging. I mean, I was good at it. You know, those kids who could fly high and jump off and like, you know, all the things that was me. And so this was going to be such an easier exercise or so I thought. <laughs> and so every time we passed a playground, Jonathan would ask me, Hey, do you want to pull over? I I can push you on the swing. And I found my heart racing and pounding out of my chest. And I was like, no way. There's no way I'm going to do this. So I always made an excuse. Well, I asked you all the time. And this is when we had our house in Franklin. And we were going on walks in the park by our house all the time with like three different playgrounds at the park. And we would but pa- I always had to rush home to make dinner or something. And we would pass them all, and I'd be like, hey, I can push you on that swing. Right. And so I had to ask myself, like what you were saying, like, what am I afraid of, you know? And I think it took six months before I finally got on a swing and completed that exercise. Yeah, and it's it- it's amazing how deeply rooted those fears can be and how powerful those scripts from our childhood can be. Right. And so here's here's to answer your question. You know, it, it brought me to the profound realization. I learned that somewhere in my cellular structure that um, I wasn't going to do it right. Like play had to be done perfectly. Uh, so I'm not sure where I like, learned that. Like that was the message so deeply ingrained. Yeah. From your like childhood. I was going to mess up. You know, the world was going to fall apart if I got this wrong, you know, and and like I said, I have no idea where that came from, but I truly in my physical body felt threatened for survival. And um, so I know this sounds ludicrous, but for anybody who's experienced this, they know exactly what I'm talking about. And and I share this because I think some of our listeners can resonate with the struggle of overcoming these ingrained notions, maybe not fear, but an ingrained notion that keeps us from play, imagination, and exploration in our fields of expertise. 
you know, and where we where we're meant to be truly great, it's important that we talk about these things so that we can help each other get to that place of greatness that we were made for. Yeah. Well, when it comes down to anything that triggers that survival instinct, that'll pull you right out of play. Yeah. You know, especially as an adult, you've got a family that you're, you got a family you're responsible for. You've got a job that you have to do. You've got either employees or coworkers counting on you. You've got a paycheck riding on all of your decisions, how you show up. And it's like, I'm not here to play. I got a job to do because my survival depends on this. Right. You know, and that's, and that's, and that's on a different level as an adult, but those, those scripts that fuel that are deep. I mean, yeah. they, they reign, they rule our whole lives. And they'll keep you from creativity. I, w- I do want to make sure that our audience knows that my counselor was really good at getting me to a place where I could feel safe with play again. And so um, I do now look at myself as an out-of-the-box thinker. I think I always was good at out-of-the-box thinking. Um, it's just it always found its way structurally. <laughs> you yeah. know? And, 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 and so now I don't feel like I'm going to die. When when I play, you know, and the and the other flip side is that is, is we're not advocating the abdication of your responsibilities. Not at all. I want you to be better at them, right? Yeah. In a what, way that what you we're can saying think. is that if you can if you can balance that with a sense of play, you'll actually show up more effectively, more creatively, able to think more divergently and put together more possibilities into all of those realms that your survival depends on. And be quicker you on show your feet up. and with your decisions because you've already exercised that muscle. You know, the hard things won't be hard anymore because you have exercised yeah. that. And I think that's part of the what part of the divergent kind of thinking that we're advocating here is that when you can get when you can heal the parts of you that act in that survival mode and get out of that survival mode, it's not I have to play or be responsible. Right. It's I get to play while I'm being responsible. Right. It's an and or. It's an it's an, an and it, both. It's an and both. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So we're gonna transition now into the discussion on how we can take steps towards that transformation. Um, you know, that relationship between play and creativity. You know, it's essential to recognize that this is a journey and a transformation doesn't happen overnight. Right. Often you need a support system, but you know, one foundation, the first foundational step here is self-awareness, you know, taking a moment to reflect on your current relationship with play and, and not being afraid to, um, to be honest with yourself about it. Mm-hmm. You know, usually it's something you're going to feel in your body. If you have uh, something holding you back, you know, some people could be short of breath, you know, whatever, if, if your experience is anything like mine. And so you have to ask yourself, are there fears or beliefs that are holding me back? You may not be able to identify what those fears or beliefs are, but you know they're present. Yeah. And honestly, if a lot of what we're talking about right now about being present enough to identify that stuff is new to you, is difficult, you know, maybe you're joining this podcast for the first time. This is the first episode you've listened to. Go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. We're building a foundation here. We're talking about what does it take to identify those pieces of resistance in your own life? What does it take to learn how to show up and be more present in the world? 
not just so that you can see the beauty, but so that you can realize and and have that have that self awareness that Michelle's talking about. Yep. And and we want to be very clear. You're acknowledging your your um, approach to play without judgment. This is a purely factual thing that you're just being self aware, made self aware of, right? So don't be shameful on yourself. Yeah. Just be aware. And then so Jonathan, why don't you share with us the next step? Yeah, the self awareness gives us all the data, but the next step is what do we do with that data? And it involves forgiveness. There are two people here that you will want to explore forgiveness with. Forgiving yourself for any perceived shortcomings or mistakes related to play or a lack of play in your life. Understand that your beliefs might have been shaped by the various factors in your life, your origin stories, family traumas, your experiences in life and growing up, and it's all okay to release them. It's okay to name those things. And to let it go. Forgiveness creates space for growth. And building on that, it's crucial to extend forgiveness to those who may have contributed to shaping your beliefs about play. So the two people that you can forgive in here is forgiving yourself for the stories that you've told yourself about your situations and to forgive the other people involved in those stories who may have contributed to that outcome that is creating that negative belief system. So once forgiveness is in motion, here's where you want to start small. You know, don't don't try to be gung-ho. For me, I couldn't even get on a swing. So when I say small, I'm saying take action where you can, but go with acts of playfulness and imagination in your daily life. You know, things that you're already involved in. Jonathan, in one of our first episodes, talked about when you go to the grocery store and you're using your five senses to look at the rose or smell the rose or touch the fruit, smell the fruit, look at the color of the fruit, right? You're just you're just getting into playful act in your daily life. And so it could be as simple as doodling, you know? I remembered as a kid being told, don't doodle, right? So that might be a good place to start. And, you know, you have to take, sometimes, just like Jonathan alluded. Honestly, I think any messages you received at a kid that looked like don't XYZ, fill in the blank, when it came to some sort of playful or creative expression, those are fantastic places to start to re-engage play. If you can. If you, I, I if couldn't you find can, myself. those can be hard places to go to. <laughs> but how many, I cannot tell you how many people I've met that have received, especially as an artist, people will come into my booth at an art show and they'll start reciting why they're not creative or why they're not musical or why they're not XYZ, some creative thing. Yeah, why they can't even touch a drumstick and they'll say, right. and I then, can't play or and the radio plays better. And they're going to fill in, and they always fill in the blank with some message or something that some person spoke over them as a child. And they internalized it. And now they believe that. And they've built a whole anti creativity reality around their life based on this one message they received as a child. Right. And it's it's so sad to know that if someone had just spoken the opposite thing over them, they could have been a completely different person. And still can. And they still could be, but they do have to Work. face that message and receive a different truth about it. Right. So it may look like something as simple as GPSing a different route to work. I personally am not at a place where I'm fine with getting lost to just find out where it is, but I'd be okay with GPSing a different route, right? You know, or trying out a new recipe. Yeah. You know? Well, what did it finally look like when you got on the swing? 
You know, actually, I did it with a dear friend of mine and her girls, and I found myself laughing, smiling, wind in my hair. We were um, at a swing set on a beach, which is a beach water is one of my favorite things. So it just having that support of someone right there with me and her girls were pushing me and having a good time. So it was great. So you mentioned your friends were so key to you finally getting on that swing set. That's And so that brings us to our last ingredient in helping to get a good sense of play and recover the sense of play in your life is to surround yourself with supportive community. Share your journey with other people. Be open to learning from their experiences. A community can provide encouragement and insights and a sense of camaraderie in this formative path because play could look different for different people. It could be something related to like a visual art, like painting, drawing, could be related to dance, could be related to music. For you, it was just as simple as getting on a swing. Yeah, and I think what made it easy for me to do with this particular friend is she was a childhood friend. Someone that I would have done those experiences with in the past. And you were doing it with her kids. And her kids. And they are the the precious, most precious little girls. They were the sweetest little things. Yeah. And they were probably, what, six, eight at that time? Yeah. And the funny thing is, is they knew how terrifying it was for me. So they had the time of their life providing that atmosphere for me to play. They knew how to play because it hadn't been trained out of them yet. That's right. And so they were the best people to tutor you in play. Mm -hmm. so go if you need to break through in the area of play babysit (laughs) yeah go find some kids to paint with to dance with to build legos with to get on a swing with and resist any message in your head that looks anything like this is stupid this is beneath me this is childish of course it's childish yeah so as we wrap up today's episode let's provide a quick recap for our listeners And so for those of you who resonated more with my experience of play, we shared that it starts with being self-aware. You know, reflect on your current relationship with play without judgment. Yeah. And then forgiveness. Forgive yourself for any perceived shortcomings related to play and extend forgiveness to those who shape that belief in you. Yeah, and engage in tiny acts of playfulness and imagination in your daily life and include activities that genuinely make you laugh. Yeah, surround yourself with supportive community and share your journey and be willing to learn from others who might be further along in the area of play that you want to pursue. Yeah, and so uh, just remember that these steps are just the beginning. And this journey towards embracing play and unlocking your your creativity, it's a process. Take these steps at your own pace. For me, it took six months. For you, it might take you the first time. And don't forget to celebrate every small victory along the way. You know, we are here with you. We plan to delve deeper into this topic of imagination and play. It's a big topic. So we want to cover more of it in future episodes, exploring various aspects of play. You know, how creativity and and personal transformation all comes into play with those. All right, we want to thank you for joining us today and encourage all of you beauty hunters to stay curious, stay playful, and until next time, keep seeking the beauty in your everyday moments. Thank you for joining us on the Beauty Hunters podcast. I hope this episode has encouraged you. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and share it with other creatives in your life? And please leave a quick written review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews keep us inspired and help more people discover the podcast. Okay, time for us to hit the road. We're off to our next art show. We'll meet you back on Monday for another episode.
Until our next encounter, always remember that your creativity will make the world a more beautiful place.